Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, well, welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. As always, it's a pleasure to have you here. Um, let's get started here at the top of the noon hour with the Angelus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, folks, well, we have an interesting show for you today. I've been getting some interesting emails, questions, uh, requests uh, for advice on some pretty heavy topics. Um, <clears throat> this is the topic, the topics I want to talk about today, which it's pretty interesting. You know, when we talk ever about the demonic possession and demonic influence in our lives or dark forces in our lives or whatever we feel is going on, most of the time people talk about themselves and they say, Dr. Sandoval, I think uh, I'm experiencing this or, you know, I did this in my life and I'm worried that I could be influenced. And a lot of times we have to really tease out, gosh, am I being scrupulous? Am I at the point where, uh, I'm just making everything seem bad, or is this like what we call sometimes a self-fulfilling prophecy? The self-fulfilling prophecy is when I have a thought in my mind that this is what's going to happen, this is what's bad, and I just know it's going to happen. And I'm so worried about it that ultimately I kind of make it happen in my life. You know, this happens all the time when people read horoscopes or they go to fortune tellers and the fortune teller tells them, hey, you know, you got to watch out. Don't go buy anything uh, new today. Don't buy anything new. Only buy used things today. And so the person's really hyper-focused on this and they go out and, and they want to make sure they don't buy anything new and they only go to a used store or, or whatnot. And then all of a sudden they forgot and they bought something new and they think, oh, I knew it. You see, it was going to happen because I was being so careful too. I wasn't going to buy anything brand new. And now I did that. Now I'm going to have bad luck right? And so they go out and something bad happens that would have happened anyway. But then the problem is we associate it with the prophecy, right? So that's an interesting thing that happens in a lot of emails, a lot of things that people tell me, you know, gosh, this is happening in my life. And this is why we say stay away from horoscopes. That doesn't determine our life. God is in charge of helping us lead our lives. And if we're smart, we're going to listen to God and we're going to hopefully go down the right path and accept things that happen and realize that 
if something bad happens in our life, it's because God allowed it to happen and we're moving forward. Uh, having faith in God and having faith that God is really the king of our lives, that God is the one who is in charge of our lives. Well, today's show is a little bit different, though, because I've been getting emails, not from people saying that they're worried about their own uh, uh, influences, shall we say, or demonic influences in their lives, but now it gets a little bit more interesting. What if you find yourself in this situation? Let me pull up this email here um, of a patient who emailed me. And they said, let me find it really quickly. It says, Dr. Sandoval, I'm very, very concerned because I came to find that my cousin, now they live with their cousin, just so you understand, that my cousin is actually dabbling in the occult. I went into their room and I found not only did they have a Ouija board, but they had a lot of I'll say paraphernalia, the way they describe it. So in other words, they had a lot of things like medallions or uh, crystals or uh, they had pentagrams and things around their room. Um, and they're saying, I'm very concerned because I wonder if the bad things that are happening in my life are due to this. My cousin and I normally get along, but I've noticed that they've been very standoffish lately. And I've noticed that I have felt very dark, especially since I have found these things please help. So really their question was, what am I supposed to do? Because I'm now living in a household where my cousin, this is, they happen to be in a household where their cousin has their own room and they go in there and they find out my cousin's got all this stuff. And obviously it's not Catholic. It's not Christian. This uh, listener who, who wrote to me uh, is very Catholic and wants to follow the Catholic lifestyle, but they wonder, and this is fair to ask, very fair to ask, is me being in a household with these things going to influence my life? Can they possibly put a curse on me? Is this going to affect what I do day in and day out? Now it becomes very real, right? So we're so used to seeing on the news and we're so used to seeing, you know, outside of us, it's, it doesn't happen to us, right? So we know that there's forces out there that want to bring down the Catholic church. We know that there's forces out there that really want to hold on to things that are evil that we know are intrinsically, objectively, no question about it evil, but there's a lot of forces out there. You see it on the news all the time, you know, and sometimes it's very overt. We know that, you know, this temple of Satan is always out there trying to do things and, um, you know, influence things and really go against Christianity, the Catholicism and, and the Catholic faith. So we know that we've seen this, we hear about it and we're always appalled, rightfully so, because we say, oh, that should not be happening. I got to pray more. I got to do things more. But what I really liked about this email, it made me think, um, we th always think that it's on the outside. You know, we think our homes are safe. We think, we think our immediate environment might be safe. But what happens when all of a sudden we find out, wait a minute, it's right in my backyard. Not only is it right in my backyard, it's right in my home, right? It's my very own family member that has this. What am I supposed to do? And can I possibly be influenced now? This is a big question to ask, right? Because... Lo and behold, now it's actually here. It's actually right next door. Not even next door as in my neighbor, as in right across the wall from my bedroom. And this is getting kind of scary. I walk in there. Imagine you walk in there one day for whatever reason, you know, not that you're trying to snoop around, but you forgot something or you realize, oh, maybe it's in their room or heck, maybe you were being very kind and you did their laundry and you were going to go drop off their nicely folded, fresh dried clothes. You know, you never know. You come across these things. We come across these things for 
for a, a myriad of reasons. And keep in mind, this listener told me that it wasn't like there was really ill will or anything. She, she just noticed that um, she said that her cousin got along, they got along really well and they were happy together and then there was no problem. But ever since they found this stuff, uh, they've noticed certain things. They noticed their life has become darker. They've noticed that they're not quite getting along with their cousin as well. Well, I think there's a few things at play here and these are gonna be important things to touch on. The first thing I think we need to address is just what do we do if we find this stuff? What do we do if we find out? Let's say, you know, in this case it was a cousin. So I'm assuming adult, it doesn't specify as far as age, but I'm assuming adult on the same on the same spectrum. But let's take it to a different level. Let's say that all of a sudden you're a parent and you find your kid with this stuff. You know, a lot of parents will say, you know, I was really shocked. I went into my kid's room, my son, my daughter, and yeah, same thing, dropping off laundry or I was cleaning up for them or I was dropping off, you know, they left their stuff all over the living room. So I went to go put it in their room and I walk in and I find that they have drugs or I found a joint or I found that my son had a, a, a magazine that was, you know, with dirty pictures in it and things like that. You know, that's very common to, to hear. Right. And in a way, we're, we're shocked, but we're not it's not totally unexpected. We know that kids are going to get into things and that we have to be ready for that as parents. And we talk about it and one of it's your kid. And we never imagine that it's going to be our kid. Same way our listeners said never imagine it's going to be their cousin. But now what if you walk into your kid's room? <clears throat> and they've got blatant satanic things out or a Ouija board or they're doing horoscopes or things like that. Here's the thing. First, what do we do? We're going to get scandalized, right? We're going to feel shocked. We're going to feel scared. I, I would say, you know, there's going to be, there's no right way to respond to this. So if you come across something like this, whatever your response is at the time, that's what it is. Here's where it gets kind of scary for some people. They walk into that, you know, we're devout Catholics. We want to follow the Catholic way. We want to uh, receive our sacraments. We want to do the right thing. And then all of a sudden you walk, stumble across something like this and we become curious. What's going to happen then? You walk in and you're like, oh, this is terrible. This is, wait, what is this? Hang on, I need to see more. Wait, I need to, are we able to just walk away from the situation? So there's a myriad of, of responses that can happen. I wouldn't be so worried about the, I'm scared, the, this was awful. I want to get away from this. I want to try to get rid of all this. That's to be expected. Now, keep in mind, it can be a little bit tricky. It's somebody else's property, right? So I don't know if they're going to, if we're going to be able to get away from it right away or not, right? But at the same time, we say, hey, you know, let's, let's talk about this or something. We'll deal with that. But what happens if all of a sudden we become curious? Why do I say that? Because it's very common, right? Eve became curious with the snake, where the snake was talking to her, and she said, wait a minute, what are, you, what are you saying? All of a sudden, right there, she opened the door. Not because we're saying, well, yeah, of course, you should listen to both sides of the argument. When it comes to things like that, there's no, there's no argument. There's only one side of that argument for us as Catholics, and there's no reason to inquire about it. Unless you work in deliverance ministry, unless you're directly working with somebody who uh, is dealing with this, or let's say that this person confronted their cousin, you know, or you're going to confront your kids. That might be a time to ask questions cur curiously or inquire a little bit more about what's going on, but not necessarily about what these things do, not what about what the horoscope said, but more about why the person got involved with it. One of the things that can happen, though, is, and we'll talk more about this, I see the breaks coming up when we come back from the break, is what happens when we start getting curious and we want to move? That's a big red flag that we have to ca caution ourselves. So more about that after the break.
All right, folks, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. We have an interesting show for you today. As always, uh, we like to talk about what's going on in our Catholic lives. But more importantly, how do we preserve our Catholicism, especially against the forces of darkness? What happens, we're talking about today, when we find out that one of our family members, a close friend or somebody who we respected, is actually dabbling in the occult? Well, before we continue this conversation, why don't we get a little spiritual protection and let's say the prayer to St. Michael. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke and we humbly pray and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, before the break, we were talking about an email I got from a listener who said that, gosh, they found some paraphernalia, some things that indicated that one of their family members who they are living with in the same household has been dabbling in the occult, more specifically in Satanism. They noticed that not only was there a Ouija board, but there were also some very specific satanic symbols, metals, crystals, things of that nature uh, in their room. And they're going, what's going on with this? And they also noticed that at that time, you know, this family member is not getting along with them. It was a cousin. They're not getting along with them quite as well. And in their own life, they started to feel darkness. Well, before the break, we said, what do we do when we stumble across something like this? If there is a family member or somebody who we know uh, who is using this and we see that this stuff, you know, we, we naturally should have a repulsion to it. We naturally should have a sense of get away from it, almost as if you uh, came across a poisonous snake, a a big lion who was about to attack you, you don't think twice. You don't say, well, gee, is that lion, maybe he just needs to talk. Maybe he's he just needs to be petted. No, we know instinctively this is nothing good. This is 100% danger and we're out of there. There is n- This animal does not have my best interests at heart at all, right? <clears throat> so we have to understand that part first. But I said, what happens if all of a sudden when we're in there, we don't become scared and we actually become curious? And we actually start to wonder, wait, what is all this? I need to learn more about this so that I can combat it. We don't, you know, it's it's naturally to fall into that, uh, natural to fall into that sin of curiosity, if you will. um, And to look at it and think, just like with a, you know, big lion, well, I want to find out more about the lion. Maybe, maybe I can control the lion. Maybe I can be powerful enough to control this beast or the snake isn't so bad. You, um, I've seen snake tamers and I've seen lions being controlled at the zoos, right? Or at the, uh, uh, say a circus, they have all these lions sitting around and the, the lion tamers there. Well, folks, that's not going to be us when it comes to these things. I'm, I would never encourage anybody to dabble in it. So if we become curious about it. I would say, be cautious, walk away as soon as possible, switch the brain, fight our own temptations or thoughts to go learn more about it or to think more about it. What I would say is more than anything else, what we really have to be aware of is I don't have the angelic nature to know how to fight that. And it's not my battle at that time. I have to trust in God. So what would I recommend to anybody who does this or who who stumbles upon this? The first thing is get out of there and go pray. Okay. Leave all that stuff, even if it's in the room, one of the questions is, can I possibly be cursed? Sure, we can all, are curses real? Absolutely. Are they going to affect me? Not necessarily. Well, how can you say that, Dr. Sandoval? If they're cursing me, I'm so scared now because I think they put a curse on me and I think that that's why I've been feeling dark. I think that's why we're not getting along. 
I think this is where we got to take a step back and not fall into that self-fulfilling prophecy I was talking about earlier. We stumble across something like this and we're going to say, oh, I knew it because of this. Now there's going to be darkness in my life. Or wow, now I notice that that's why they moved across the room the other day. Wow, they're really standing. They never leave their phone there on the table and they did. Or normally they seem more talkative and now they're not talking to me. It's because of all this. It's easy to get scared and scandalized and make that conclusion, but that's just as good as going to a psychic or reading a horoscope and saying, oh my goodness, my horoscope said this, so it's bound to happen, or the psychic said this, so now I got to be careful. We never want to fall into that trap. I got to take a step back and realize it doesn't matter if the gates of hell are right next to my room. God is still in charge. We give the devil too much credit sometimes, sometimes not enough. And let's explain the difference. Well, gee, Dr. Sandoval, when do we give it too much credit? And when do we give the demons not enough credit? What do you mean by that? Sometimes when we get so overwhelmed that we're worried that we're going to be cursed or this is going to influence our lives, it's easy to forget. And I fall into this trap sometimes too. It's easy to forget that, no, the devil can't do more than what God allows him to do. That's the first thing we have to remember. So whose side are we on? I'm on God's side. And if I trust God and I say, God, whatever's happening in my life, I offer to you. You're the one who's allowing things to happen in my life or not happen in my life. You're the one in charge of that. That's where we got to put our Catholic thinking, right? We got to think like Catholics, to live like Catholics, to be Catholic. We got to start thinking like Catholic and realize that God's not ever going to leave us. God's not ever going to stop loving us. And if something's happening in my life, it's only because God is continually preparing me to meet him. That's really all this, all this time on earth is, is am I prepared to meet God? Am I preparing myself to meet God? So stumbling across these things in my cousin's room or say somewhere in a store or something, how is this preparing me to meet God? Maybe God is reminding me that, hey, you got to work extra hard to make sure that you don't fall into these traps. Don't go read about that. If I saw that or if I was influenced by that, boy, I need to go ahead and um, read my Bible, get back into the word of God. I need to get to confession. Do I need to get to confession? Maybe God's reminding me that. This is a way God re reminded me that don't forget there's stuff out there that's going to want to bring you down. You better go prepare, go to confession, go receive communion, live a sacramental life, put the Eucharist first in your life. And that's really what you need. Anything else that happens around there, that's up to God. I could easily read into things. I could easily start to say, yeah, my cousin's not talking to me now. Now I know why, because they're, no, maybe they're just having a bad day. Believe it or not, there's a lot of people. This is the, one of the points I want to make here is, there are a lot of people dabbling in the occult and you're not even aware of it. There's a lot of people out there who are influenced by these things or who choose to do these things. People who might even be going to church with us. You know, it's very common in different cultures coming from the Hispanic culture. So common. You go to mass on Sunday and right after mass, you got to go to your psychic and somebody's going to read your tarot cards, you know, very common. We, we mix that a lot in the culture. Unfortunately, a lot of times due to ignorance, a lot of times due to lack of faith, because we feel like God's not working fast enough in my life. So I'm going to come over here and I'm going to listen to somebody else who might give me more immediate information that I'm going to hold on to. That's not coming from God. But this is where we got to ask ourselves, where do I put my faith? So the first thing is when I see these things, I don't want to get scandalized. I don't want to fall into the trap of curiosity. Um, and I want to make sure that I want to be kind to my cousin. I don't want to change anything I do with my cousin. I want to treat them the same way because when the conversation comes up and it might of the occult, what if all of a sudden your cousin down the road or your family member comes up to you and says, Hey, why don't we, um, you know, have you heard of this? Maybe you, you should, you know, 
look into some of this stuff. Uh, maybe you should read your horoscope. Maybe you should look at some of these things that I have. Is that possible? Sure, it's possible. They, they can easily want you to do that. Is that something that we would recommend? Of course not. But are you prepared to have that conversation? Are you prepared to take that step back and say, no, you know, I don't think so. I don't, I don't want to uh, delve into that at all. Uh, do we have that fortitude? It's hard to say, right? Because now that we've been presented with this stuff, it might be a preparation because we might have to have a talk with this person. Hopefully, we stumble across this and we do a few things. This is my, my official recommendation. One, get away from that. Two, start praying, right? Why are we scandalized by this? Because all of a sudden, the reality of good and evil is brought before our eyes. And are we ready to turn to evil and have a, um, excuse me, turn away from evil and turn to the good and have a peace about ourselves? Are we ready to turn and say, you know what? Whenever I see this, I'm just going to pray. And I'm not going to let it shake me at my core. I'm not going to let it influence me that way, right? <clears throat> Why? Why would I say that? Because I want to make sure that I'm always ready to pray. Believe it or not, sometimes it's we get comfortable in our homes, and this might be a way of God telling us, don't get too comfortable. It's all around you, even where you least expect it, right? Even you don't expect it in your family members or someone you grew up with or a good friend. You don't expect to see evil there, but it can happen. And maybe God's telling you, you should always be prepared to turn to prayer. Maybe have we been good in our prayer lives? Are we always turning to God every day? Those are the big questions that I would have, first of all. Okay, the next topic that came up was, what if they put a curse on me? Is that possible? Is it possible for there to be a curse on me? Sure, curses are real, like I said before. But if I'm going to be solid in my prayer life, what am I going to say about that? I'm going to say, God's going to allow whatever he's going to allow. Just like Job. You know, unfortunately, Job went through a lot of a lot of pain and suffering because God allowed it to test him. If God is testing us that way, a lot of times we wonder, it's very human, very normal for us to say, why, God, why are you bringing me down like this? When probably from God's eyes, from God's vision, from the way God sees us, he's probably saying, no, I'm actually lifting you up. I'm giving you a challenge. You're earning merits in heaven. Are you able to earn merits in heaven? Are you able to fight those temptations that are coming your way? Because I want you to have a higher place in heaven. I want you to have a greater potential to love me once you get to heaven. We don't think of things that way because in this world, we see things as punishment. And punishment is bad. We send people to jail. We punish them. There's no hope. You know, they're trashed in the news. They're persona non grata. They're pushed aside. God doesn't work that way. Sometimes we think God is punishing me. That means I'm going to go to hell. When the reality is God is challenging me and allowing things to happen in my life because he knows that if I turn to him and I start praying, I'm going to grow. I'm going to grow spiritually. And then I can probably be a very strong spiritual force because he's going to be able to work through me. Notice, I can be a spiritual force, kind of. I'm going to allow God to work through me because I have humbled myself and realized whatever is happening in my life, God, it's because you allowed it. That would be the first thing, you know, the, the, another thought process that I would have. Now, do we confront this person? Confrontation is a very strong word. Depending on the person, depending on your relationship, you're going to know them best, hopefully, or you're going to know your relationship and interaction with that person best. So how do I come up to somebody and say, hey, what's all this evil stuff in your room? You know, maybe that might be the way you can approach somebody if you know them in that way, if you get along in that way. Or you can go up to them and say, hey, you know, gosh, I was dropping off your laundry and I noticed what, you know, what's going on there or or before you even mention that, because they might get mad. Why were you in my room? That's going to be a very common uh, reaction. You can just sit down and start talking to the person and say, hey, what's going on? I noticed we haven't been getting along lately. Are we OK? Do we need space from each other? Remember, 
people around us are dabbling in this all the time doesn't mean that they're bad people, right? It's very easy for, for us to say and judge and say, oh my God, that's a bad person because of what they're doing. No person is intrinsically bad. In fact, God made us good, if, if you want to think of it that way. It's what we choose to do. They happen to not be doing good things or they're doing things that might not be leading them towards a closer life with God. And that's one of the bigger challenges. <clears throat> one of the things we have to ask ourselves is, what can I do? Is there any influence I can have? Can I come up to the person and, you know, let them know that I care about them, have a normal conversation, normalize the person, not the situation, but the person, because it's what we do all the time. In mental health, when somebody comes and talks to my office, I don't sit there and say, oh my goodness, this person is off their rocker. They're not. No, I have to talk to them like people and find out where they're at. How are you doing today? We're analyzing the situation. How are they responding to me? What's going on in their lives? Maybe they turn to that because they were feeling hopeless and they were feeling like, no, oh, I'm not getting much help from prayer. And maybe we're going to be that vehicle to say, hey, come to church. Let's go pray a little bit. Let's go, you know, do something holy. Hey, have you read that's part of the catechism or not? It'd be interesting to see if God is using us also as a tool to bring this person back into the faith. It's not hard to think of if we just stop, take a moment, take a step back and, and turn to God and pray and say, God, what is it that you want me to do here? All right, folks, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Louis Sandoval Show. Today, we are having an interesting topic on what do I do when I stumble across paraphernalia, uh, Ouija boards, uh, anything that has to do with the occult or darkness, and I find out that it's actually my cousin, my friend, my family member, somebody I know. Well, let's take a step back a little bit. We already talked a little bit about making sure that we go to prayer, making sure that we have an open conversation with them if possible, open to the possibility, remind ourselves they're not a bad person. But there's something more intriguing and important that came to me uh, from this email as a whole. Yes, it's shocking if it's somebody we know, you know, somebody we didn't expect. Uh, the email from one of our listeners was about, you know, they stumbled across this and the person's room just were not expecting to find any of this. They're all a big Catholic family. They happen to be living in the same house. And, you know, their cousin had this stuff. And boy, what do I do? It's kind of shocking, kind of scary. Always something to think about, right? What's going on in our own home? However, more intriguing to me is what do we allow in society that it would lead to it coming into our own home? And the real question I have is how much of this has been normalized? How much of the occult has been normalized that, boy, it could be shocking if we don't think about it in our own home, but what about when we leave our home and we're walking around the streets, we're walking around the shopping centers, we're walking out in public, do we see images of the occult all the time? And we've been kind of immune to it. We don't even realize it. We don't even get shocked by it. We actually kind of grow to expect it in society, right? I've said before on some of my shows, you know, the, they used to say that the devil's greatest trick was to make you believe that he didn't exist. I don't think that's the case in society anymore. I think I don't think that's the greatest trick anymore. I think the greatest trick now is, hey, I'm here, I exist, but I'm not the bad guy. That's really the, the convincing part. Evil doesn't exist. There's no such thing as good or bad. It's whatever you want to do. Why are you making it good or bad, right? It's like I said, I think people are good. I think what we choose to do leads us down a path of good or bad, closer to God or further from God. That's the important part to consider. But how many times do we see things in society all the time? What's the music we're listening to? 
you know, now we can say, geez, Dark Sand, well, there's extremes of music. I don't listen to, you know, full-on satanic heavy metal, which exists, and it's out there, dark metal, black metal. I don't listen to any of that. I don't wear these, these dark T-shirts that I see other people wearing. Oh, but you see other people wearing them, and it's pretty normal, right? There's people walking around with really dark T-shirts, occult signs on them, or even paraphernalia. Well, that's pretty normal, right? Well, what about the music we do listen to? I don't listen to that. Well, what are you listening to? Are you listening to music that talks about strictly uh, lustful thoughts, about sexual fantasies, about wanting to be with somebody, or they talk, you know, without ever discussing marriage, without ever discussing anything like that? The music nowadays is very explicit. Have I allowed it into my own home? Am I listening to that on the radio while I have my kids in the car? If they do come across something like that, am I sitting down with my kids and explaining to them, you know, what's right and what's wrong about these things? Why is this important? You know, a lot of people say, oh, Darcy, well, that's just prudish. You're, you're reading into things too much. You're, you're overdoing it. You know, we are, we do have to live still. Well, it's interesting to consider. I came across this article. Um, it's from Catholic News Agency. I'll go ahead and put the link to it uh, with this talk. And the title of the article is, How Can You Tell If Someone Is Demon-Possessed? And the person is interviewing an exorcist. His name is Father Cipriano de Mayo uh, from Italy. He's been an exorcist since 1952. And there's one very important part in this article uh, that I thought was pertinent to this email. This is what he says. He says, even though cases of demonic possession are not as common as cases of psychological illness, and this is true, I can tell you the psychiatrist, 99% of the time, 99.9% .9 of the time, when people are worried about demonic possessions or influences, there's a lot of mental illness going on. And mental illness sounds really bad. It gets a bad, a bad rap. But the reality is mental illness, we use it as something as simple as, you know, I'm going through a depression, I'm going through a clinical anxiety, something along those lines. Well, let's see what he says. He says, most people are too unaware and unfamiliar with spiritual realities, he said. Now, a lot of us say, oh, I didn't know about that. So the unfamiliar part is great. But notice he says, I like what he said here. Most people are too unaware. And I think that that's where the majority of us fall into society. We're not aware of this. It's right. What's it mean to be unaware? It's right around us. It's right there in front of us, but we're not able to recognize it. Why? Because it's been so subtly woven into society. We've accepted accepted so many things. I look at things as simple as, you know, when Hollywood does their award shows and they're going to decide who was the best actor for this or the best actress for that. You look back into the old days of Hollywood and men showed up in suits and ties and the women were in nice gowns. Nowadays, it doesn't even look like that. Nowadays, it's what anything goes, really, and half the time it's not even very prudent or modest, right? Some of these outfits and attires, it seems like the more they can get away with, the better. And that's been woven into society. It's just kind of been expected. Back in those days when the men were wearing suit and ties and the women were wearing nice, uh, respectful gowns and whatnot, they would never have televised probably what we see now on TV. It just would not have happened. But today, we put it on TV, we put it on magazine covers, we put it on the internet. Anybody can have access to this. We've gotten very used to this. We've gotten very used to accepting things that normally we would not have. You know, and what's the difference between men and women from then and women, men and women now? Nothing. We can say, oh, yeah, sure. You know, we've evolved. We've done this. No, human nature has been the same since humans started. There's no question about it. Um, but let's see what else this priest tells us. So the most important thing to me is this unaware part. Why are we unaware? We're not able to recognize things anymore. We become very, very complacent with a lot of things in society. He mentions that 
And he says, in 2014, the International Association of Exorcists called the rise of occult activity a pastoral emergency. That was 2014, so we're looking at about seven years ago. Uh, a pastoral emergency, right? This is happening, the rise of the occult activity. Are we aware of it? It's happening, but are we just complacent with it? Should I be shocked that I found some occult stuff in my cousin's room or in the household? Maybe the person who has it, to them, it's just like anything else. Why, why would it be a big deal? And this is important to listen to. This is what he says. It usually starts out of ignorance, superficiality, stupidity, or proselytizing, actively participating, or just watching. Actually, the priest didn't say that. That said, the, the spokesperson, Dr. Walter Cassioli, he's a spokesperson for the uh, Association of uh, International Exorcists, um, that's what he told us. No, let's read that again. This is what he says. You know, he's he's the 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 guy in charge here. He's a spokesperson for the association association of exorcists. It starts out. How does this start out? Ignorance again. You could say unaware, unknown. I wasn't aware. Superficiality. Well, what does that mean, Doctor Sandoval? What's superficial? Then we just make it everyday commonplace. It's it's not really bad. It's just what I I'm, just because I dress in dark and it's just a style. It's just what I'm trying to do. It, it doesn't really mean anything. Stupidity, meaning that, you know, the person's just trying to act funny, dumb, whatever. Uh, or proselytizing, people just talk about it. Actively participating, obvious, right? Obviously, we're going to actively participate in the occult. We're, we're going to be opening doors. Now, here's the kicker. Or just watching. Here's the funny part. What's the difference between actively participating or just watching? Parents, I need you to be aware of this. Actively participating. Well, my kid doesn't actively participate in that stuff. He just likes to watch cartoons or TV shows or stuff like that. But it's just a video game that had some occult images on there. But they're just watching it. It's not that big a deal. Well, let me tell you something. Whenever we studied therapy and how to be a good therapist or a good psychiatrist, we talk about active listening, right? Active listening means that I have my ears tuned in to what this person is telling me, and I'm processing it in my mind. I'm making it op an opinion about it, and I can give advice, something along those lines. Here, it makes a distinction between actively participating, which we take it to be a physical thing. I'm in there doing rituals, or I'm actually trying to do spells, or I myself am, am trying to place curses on people. That's actively participating. I don't like the fact that he said, or just watching. Because are we actively watching as well? I can actively listen. I can actively watch, which means that even though I'm not physically doing these things, as I'm watching somebody else do it, is my mind participating in it? Is my mind making an opinion about it? Is my mind accepting it? If I'm watching these video games, if I'm watching movies, am I actively watching this stuff, right? There's no such thing as just watching when it comes to the occult. That would be one of these things that we need to consider where we say, am I aware of it? I can passively be aware of it or I can actively be aware of it. And this is where it gets dangerous for kids. What are we showing our kids? What are they doing? What they're, they're going to be the most influenced. And as parents, we're responsible for that. Are we sitting down and having the conversation with them? That's important to consider. It's very important to consider. This is what he says. The consequences are always disastrous. Always disastrous. Father DeMello says that people often turn to the chatter of magicians and illusionists for answers rather than the weapons the Lord has put at our disposal. I like that difference that he makes. 
You know, he talks about magicians and illusionists. We can say psychics. We can say, you know, anybody who's trying to influence you or your kids in a way that they want to let you know that, oh, wow, this is really powerful. I need to tell you what your future is. Pay me more money so I can tell you what your future is. I like the fact that he uses the word chatter. It's just chatter. It's just talk. It doesn't mean much, but it can influence us in a very powerful way if we allow it to. Rather than use, he says, the weapons the Lord has put at our disposal. That's pretty powerful. We, we stop thinking, I think, about prayer as a weapon. And I think when you re really need to start doing that a lot more in society. A lot of times, you know, we go to confession. Oh, Father gave me three Hail Marys. Or Father told me to pray in our Father. We think of prayer as very soft. We think, oh, I just got to go pray three Hail Marys. It's very soft. Or I just got to go think of pray in our Father. You know, oh, that's it. We think it's very soft, but we haven't put our faith in it. We haven't thought of it as a weapon. Trust me, when you're doing deliverance work, you start to understand what prayer really means. And the phrase, the power of prayer, we kind of take that lightly. In society, we, we don't think of prayer as a weapon. We really need to start thinking about it that way. Because when the priest is telling you to go pray this, imagine this. Let me, let's contrast a couple things. Let's say you go to a psychic and they tell you, oh, yeah, this is what's going to happen in your future. And in order for you to have good fortune, you have to take, oh, I don't know, some kind of herbs and spices, some leaves. You're going to put it in a little pot. You're going to swirl it. You're going to put a hair of somebody you loved in there. And you're going to put a picture of somebody else. And you're going to do these things. <clears throat> Very simple. You're going to put them in a pot. You're going to boil them. And you're going to say a few words. Well, how serious are people going to take that? What are people going to do with that? They're going to go over there and they're going to say, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to expect something to happen because they told me that if I do this, something's really, really going to happen. My question is, and we're going to talk about this more after the break. Why is it that when a priest tells us to go say a prayer, we don't say something's going to happen. I'm going to say these words. I'm going to pray. I'm going to talk to heaven and something's going to happen. More about that after the break. All right, folks, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. Today, we are talking about some important things to think about. Remember, I always say we got to think like Catholics, to live like Catholics, to be Catholic. How are we going to think like Catholics on this topic? We're talking about what do I do? What do I think? How do I behave and act when I find out that a friend, a relative, somebody close to me is actually dabbling in the occult? What's my responsibility there? Before the break, we talked about how important prayer is, and we need to start thinking of prayer as a weapon. Why is it important to think of prayer that way? Well, we're Catholics. we got to think like Catholics. Prayer is only as effective as the faith we put behind it. Now, are all the prayers heard? Yes, of course. God's going to listen to all of our prayers. It doesn't matter. But remember, even Christ couldn't perform miracles if people didn't have faith. You read that in the Gospels all the time. Christ came upon a town. He wanted to perform miracles, but he couldn't because the people didn't have faith in him. We know what the sad part is. When all of a sudden we don't have faith and we don't allow God to work in our lives, we blame God. Ah, he doesn't have that much power. Ah, he can't really do things in my life. Why? Because I prayed and what I prayed for specifically did not happen. And so God can't be that powerful. What does that mean? That means I got to find somebody who's more powerful. I got to turn to somebody who's more powerful. I lost my faith in God. Guess what? I lost my hope in God. I'm going to turn to somebody else. That by definition is despair. In the catechism of the Catholic Church, you got to remember despair doesn't have to be an anxiety. Just like in society, we always say, oh, I feel like I'm in despair. That means that I'm anxious. I'm worried about something. I want to get closer to God. That's not despair. Despair, 
at least not by the definition of the Catholic faith. You got to read about that. Look it up in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. In society, we say despair is hopelessness, not according to the Catholic Catechism. Despair is not placing our hope in God. It doesn't mean that we're hopeless. It means you've placed your hope in something else. It means that eh, God didn't answer my prayers. I don't think he's that powerful. I'm going to go see what my psychic says. I'm going to go read my horoscope. That might be more powerful. I put my hope in something else other than God. Now I'm in a state of despair. Okay. I've shifted from God. Why is that important? Because it's leading us down the wrong road. That's for sure. I didn't put my faith and hope in God. What happens when that happens? When, when we don't, when we do that, according to this article, and this is very true, Father DeMeo says, People turn to the chatter of magicians and illusionists for the right answers rather than the weapons the Lord has put at our disposal. Before the break, I was talking about, we got to think of prayer as a weapon. It's very, very powerful. In fact, let's say another prayer to St. Michael right now so that he can keep our minds clear and our lives free from demonic influence through the power that God has given him. Remember, all this power just comes from God at the end of the day. But if he's been given that power from God, then he can exercise that power and help us in our lives. Let's say it one more time. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him. We humbly pray and do that, O Prince of the Heavenly Host. By the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, let me read a little bit more about this article, and then I want to read from the Catechism of the Catholic Church on the occult. What happens if a family member, somebody I know, is dabbling in the occult, well, I'd say we better start praying for them. Let's read this. This is what uh, Father um, <clears throat> Father DeMeo from Italy, who is an exorcist himself, tells us. Uh, he says, it's absolutely fundamental to get rid of sin and live in the grace of God, he said. I think that's, that's one of the things that God allows. You know, why does God allow the occult? Why does he allow us to see these things? Um, because I think it's more of a of a check mark for me in my own life, more of a of a checking point of, am I living a life of sin or not? You know, I, I can easily critique people and say, oh, how could they turn to the devil? But where's my life? Am I turning away from God? Maybe not directly wanting to turn to the devil, but am I saying, ah, you know, I know there's a little sin in my life, but I can control it. I know that I haven't gotten a confession, but it's it's okay. You know, is that where I'm at, or am I really trying to live a life of grace? really trying to be repentant of my sins. This is what he says. The church, in fact, wants a life of prayer. Remember, for us as Catholics, we hear prayer and we think it's for little kids. You know, we see, what do we think of a prayer? Oh, a little, you know, a guardian angel standing before a kid in prayer before their first Holy Communion. And all of a sudden it's like for kids or old ladies, you know, oh, the nice old ladies, they go to the church and they're they're praying their rosaries and they're, uh, you know, praying for us. Oh, that's great. You know what we don't see anymore? That we need to see more of. And this is where I talk to, to the guys here. You know, I know that we're going to have the men's conference coming up. I hope all the guys are there. I'm going to try to make it for sure. But when was the last time we went into a church and we saw a man kneeling down before the tabernacle and praying that he can lead a better life, that he can be a better father, a better husband, a better whatever vocation God has chosen to, for us? When was the last time we saw that, guys? How come we're not doing that? I got to ask myself that. You know why? Because we're not thinking of prayer as a weapon. Yeah, we can look at the gym and we look at guys who are big and buff and they pumped iron and we're like, yeah, I'm inspired, man. Good for him. I should go do that too. What about our prayer life? We got to get, we got to hit the gym of the church. We got to go lift those weights before the tabernacle. That's what we really need to start thinking of. 
So let's read this. He says, the church, in fact, wants a life of prayer, not just on the part of the priest, but also of also the member of the faithful asking for help for intervention of the exorcist who believes from the help of family members as well. The exorcist explained, meaning that he's talking about what happens when somebody goes and requests an exorcism, because let's say you find somebody like that in your family and they're all of a sudden it turns out that they are demonically influenced. They go to the priest, they ask for help. A lot of times you go to the priest, all of a sudden, like you're thinking you go to the doctor and, oh, okay, you're going to give me medication and I'm going to take it. And whatever you do, whatever you give me, that's what's going to heal me. When it comes to exorcism or demonic influence, this is where the will comes in. The person chose to go down that path. By the time a a possession or something intense like that happens, which was not even the case from this email that I received, it wasn't about a possession. It was about, hey, I just see this stuff here and there could be some influence, right? Possession is way down the road, but that's how it starts. Start opening doors. The exorcist, though, once it gets to the extreme part, think about it. We're now, let's say that, let's pretend that it's the full possession now. And what's the exorcist asking for? Prayer. Oh, you mean that soft little thing? No, I'm talking about prayer. And I'm talking about, we need to start thinking about prayer as this is the most powerful, most important thing I need to do because it's what's uniting me with God. How can I not have a conversation with God? How can I not be in communication with God? What's going to happen when I die? I, I was never in communication with God before. If I put my hope in everything else, if I lived a life in a state of despair, if you will, not anxiety, not concerns like we think about despair in the social term. I'm talking about the Catholic definition of despair where our hope is no longer in God. That's going to be a problem. That's going to be a problem. This is what it says. Let's read the catechism. He he actually uh, talks about the catechism here. The catechism offers further guidance on how to avoid demonic activity. Anything that involves recourse to Satan or demons or that attempts to conjure the dead or reveal future events is to be rejected. Notice the word there is rejected. Not, well, let me find out what this means. Let me, let me see what all this is. Gosh, I stumbled upon these things. What am I going to do with this? No, there's no questions asked here. It's strictly, I see it. It's gone. I don't even want it. I don't want to discuss it. There's no, there's no question about it. There's no anything like that. Now, who can question it or who can look into it? Really nobody. But if you are in deliverance ministry, if the priest is there, that's the that's who I would leave it to. You know, an exorcist, somebody like that. Not because they're curious about what these things are. Think about it. What they're curious about is how did this person get involved with this? How is somebody who's influenced by these things? What, what did you do to open these doors? I'm not worried about what came into your life. I already know what that is. I don't even have to question what that is. I reject all that. I see it. It's bad. It's gone. What I want to know is what did you do that allowed this to happen so that I can prevent that from happening to other people? No different than a doctor. You know, do I care about the illness? Only insofar as how to get rid of it. That's all I care about is how to get rid of it. Not, oh, wow, how powerful is it? Wow, that's interesting. No, it's interesting in how am I going to get rid of it, period. No questions asked. I want you to be healthy. I don't sit there and think about illnesses all day long. I think about health, right? When I'm helping people, when they come to the clinic, I only care about your illness insofar as I'm going to get you to a state of health. Well, let's see what the Catechism of the Catholic Church says. This is paragraph 2116. So that's 2116. Consulting horoscopes, astrology, palm reading, interpretation of omens and lots, the phenomena of clairvoyance, and recourse to mediums all conceal a desire for power over time, history, and, in the last analysis, other human beings as well as a wish to conciliate hidden powers. They contradict the honor, respect, and loving fear we owe to God alone. 
Should we read that again? There's, it's very packed in there. What does the church say about all this stuff, whether it be your Ouija boards, whether it be tarot cards, whether it be your horoscopes? It goes against the first commandment. That's the bottom line. But let's see what it says again. Consulting horoscopes, right? Astrology, not astronomy, not the study of the stars, because we could say, well, what about the three wise men? They were astrologists. No, they were astronomers. That's the study of the planets. God, we can look at nature and study nature. Astrology is, is the same as the horoscopes, palm reading. Oh, because you were born under this sign, that means that this is the way you are. Because you were born under this sign, that means that, no, that we don't worry about. That has nothing to do with God. It has nothing to do with anything. What we really want to look at as Christians is Catholics. How do we think like Catholics? Well, what saint day were you born on? What feast were you born on? What Catholic holiday were you born on? I don't care about the stars. I care, or what the astrology stars, if you will. I care about what were you born on under the influence of the Catholic Church? What are we celebrating here? But this goes on to talk about that. Astrology, palm reading, interpretation of omens and lots, signs, phenomena, the phenomena of clairvoyance. Now, clairvoyance is a big one. That's what a lot of people want. Clairvoyance means I can look into the future. I can see things, right? Recourse to mediums. They're part of clairvoyance. They all conceal a desire for power over time, history, and in the last analysis, other human beings, as well as as well as a wish to conceal, conciliate hidden powers. It's about power. It's about wanting power over time, history, human beings. Conciliate hidden powers means make them our own, know about them, be one with them, be okay with hidden power. So we're looking for all these things, when in reality, they contradict honor, respect, and loving fear we owe to God alone. Well, guess what? Do we have power over time? back and forth, right? Do we do we know what happened in the past and the future? We don't, but does God? Always. God lives in eternity. Everything's before God. This is where I tell people, if you want the biggest, biggest influence of a time machine, go to confession. God is forgiving something that already happened in the past, something that's said and done. And God is able to forgive that. That's power. That's power right there. We can't underestimate the power of prayer. So what do we do? We come across these things. We need to start thinking like Catholics. We need to start thinking of the power of prayer, and we need to start realizing that my prayer is going to be efficacious. I need to put faith in that. If people who dabble in the occult put faith in their readings and their horoscopes and their spells and their curses, right, and we're worried that something's going to happen, my question is, why as Catholics do we not put the same faith in prayer and realize, I'm going to pray right now and something's going to happen? I might not be able to see it, I might not see, shall we say, the fruit of my prayer, but I'm going to have faith that God is going to do something with this and is going to work in my life, somebody else's life, and good things will absolutely happen. That's really the bottom line. What happens when I stumble across the occult? Get away from it and remember, where's my life of prayer? Pray, lead a sacramental life, and at the end of the day, put it all in God's hands. We need to think like Catholics, to live like Catholics, to be Catholics. And this is Dr. Sandoval saying, until next week, keep it Catholic.